0: It's good to see you in the house of the Lord today. As he said, I'm Brian Alexander. Most of my adult ministry has been in the pastoral ministry. I pastored two churches uh, for the, almost the length of 30 years. And so I got to stay. At, I didn't get to preach at a lot of different churches as far as uh, pastoring, but I had a chance to spend a long time in uh, both of those churches. And so I'm thankful. Today I want to share a message with you. From a very familiar passage that I know that most of you who have studied your Bibles, you know, uh, Luke chapter 15 has to deal with. It's called the Lost and Found chapter. It's called the Lost and Found because of what this whole chapter is about. It's about the lost sheep. It's about the lost silver, and it's about the lost son. Now you have heard it preached, and I have preached it many years. Uh, there were three different parables. There were times where I preached about the lost sheep, and that would be a whole sermon, and the lost silver, and the lost son, the prodigal son. We've heard many messages about that. But the truth of this passage that I want to share with you today, it's really one story. It's got three different illustrations, but it's one story. And I want to share some things about that today, because I think that what uh, God will use in, the, uh, in this passage some of the same thing. He wanted those people who listened to Him that day, He wanted them to hear and to know the truth. So I'm going to draw some some conclusions about this, and I hope and pray that it will be, uh, be a blessing to you uh, as well. In chapter 15, the book of Luke, if you stand as we uh, read this first passage of the Word of God. Chapter 15, book of Luke, beginning with verse 1. It says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after them which is lost until he find it? When he had found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and his neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Lord, we ask you now to take your word. You'd illuminate it in our hearts and our minds. And Lord, if there's one sitting under the sound of my voice that has never responded to you in salvation, they've never accepted you as our Savior and Lord, that today you would be the revealer of all truth to their heart and life. And Lord, that during the time of the invitation, the time of response, Lord, there'll be an opportunity for those to make decisions for which you are about to bring to their hearts and their minds. It's our prayer we ask. In the blessed name of Jesus, here in this passage, we have we have two groups of people. Now, if you miss the first two verses of this chapter, you're going to miss, or really, the proper way. You're going to need these two verses to properly interpret the rest of the pa- the passage regarding the lost sheep, the lost silver, and the lost son. You need these first two verses to understand what it's really about and who it's actually talking to. The Bible said that there was two groups of people. There was publicans and sinners. The publicans were tax collectors. They were hated folks. They they were the one that everybody dreaded to see. They were the ones who had jobs. These were Jewish people who were working for Rome, and yet their job was to collect taxes. Now, I probably there's one thing every single one of us have in common sitting in here today or Never, I don't think there's ever been one of you woke up in the morning after praying all night saying, Lord God, I'm just praying if there's some way that you could send the IRS to me and audit me today. Lord, I'd appreciate that. Lord, I'd love to be audited today. Have we had anybody ever pray that prayer? Have they warned that you just beg God that, somebody, that the IRS would audit you? Well, no. No. <laughs> The answer is n o as a matter of fact, if you get a letter from the i r s and it 's got the wrong address on it, you're scared to death you're afraid to open it well, these people could not stand the publicans because these were Jewish people who were turncoats, they were traitors they they were basically they were taking money, they were taking taxes from the Jews for the Romans, but not only were they were they excising taxes but yet one of the reasons why publicans could be crooked was because there were many times they would, they would try to excise or really extort money for tax purposes. Let's just say something as silly as the wrong road tax. They asked when they'd come in to do uh, sacrifices and things on the, some of the yearly uh, celebrations, they would ask, did you come in on the West Road? They said, no, I come in on the East Road. They say, well, if you come in on the West Road, I was going to tar- charge you the, the West Road tax, but since you come in on the East Road tax, you're not going to be able to go back. You'll have to go back on the East Road tax. So what I'm going to do, I'll just have to charge you for the East Road tax. And so no matter what road they came on, they were going to have to pay some sort of crazy tax. Well, you know what? Those taxes that the tax collectors could excise and extort from the people, they got to keep that. They were giving Rome what they required, but yet, and that's why many of them became crooked and they were, they were doing these things illegal. So the Jewish people hated them. But the Bible says there that you've got the publicans and the sinners came to hear him. Now, you have this group, you've got publicans who are the tax collectors that everybody hate them. Then you've got these group, what they're known as sinners. These are people who are living in known sin, open sin, and they, were, they didn't care what anybody thought. They were living just like they wanted to, doing what they wanted to, and they didn't they didn't care what anybody else thought. Have y'all ever known anybody like that? Nod your head a little bit. All right. Now, when I say amen, you say amen, because I got the long version for y'all, and I use the short version for them. Because, but now I'll give you... Listen, my, my sermons are like baloney. You cut them off anywhere. It'll be good. Don't worry about it. We'll get through on time. There ain't nobody here hungry than I am. But when it comes to... The sinners were people who were living in sin and knew it, and they didn't care what anybody else thought. But the Bible says that these two groups of people—they were kind of gathered together. The publican sinners—they had something in common. Everybody hated them, or no people didn't like them. They—they they were judgmental of them, and so here they were. They had come, and the, the Bible said, "But they came to hear him." And so you've got this group who come. Then you've got another group. It's the Pharisees and the scribes. These were the the. The rich, high, muckety-mucks, the religious people of the day, who who looked smug toward uh, other people and said, you know, I'm glad I'm not like that lowly sinner over there. And they were judgmental of everybody. They thought they were the only ones going to get to go to heaven. They thought they were the only ones that knew God and knew the Word and knew had all of those things in their, uh, in their possession. And so you've got these Pharisees and scribes. You know what? They come, the Bible said, but they came and they were murmuring, saying, Here he is, and he receiveth sinners, and he eats with them. So they're judging the Lord Jesus. So the Lord Jesus now, he's looking at his audience. His audiences are publicans and sinners and Pharisees and the scribes. So now with that in mind, Jesus looking at his audience, knowing who they were and what they were, now he is going to begin to deal with their hearts through the lost sheep, the lost son, and the lost silver. And so he begins with that story there that we first read, that parable of the lost sheep. He said, What man have you had a hundred sheep, if you lose one, do not leave the 99 and go find the one that was lost. And he said, and then when he goes, when the shepherd goes and finds him, he comes back with him on his shoulders. He's rejoicing and excited, and they have a they basically have a party because of that. The sheep that was lost is now found. The Lord Jesus, when he's giving this parable, he's got some things. He's talking about the lost sheep. You know, sheep are considered dumb and defenseless and directionless. They're not the brightest animals in the pasture or in the barnyard. But you've got a picture here of this sheep, this one sheep who leaves. It's a parable. And he leaves and he goes on his own. He's eating what he wants to. He's drinking what he wants to. He's going where he wants to. And he's not concerned about the other sheep. He's doing his own thing. And so he gets out and then eventually finds himself that he's lost. And he he hadn't been concerned. He hadn't wanted to know where everybody else was. He just wanted to do what he wanted to do. And you know what? We as human beings, a lot of times, we want to do just what we want to do. And we don't care what anybody else thinks. Well, here, the Lord Jesus knows who his audience is, and he said, this lost sheep goes out there, and the shepherd has to go and find him and bring him back in. Now, I want to say that this sheep was lost, and he was obviously lost. Okay? He's obviously lost. He's left everybody else. He's done his own thing, he's, he, and, and he's lost. And you know, there are times there are people who are lost, and they're... Obviously lost. I I share this story about a many years ago when I was I was doing some uh, substitute teaching at Morgan County High School and I went into a class one one morning and uh, I called the roll and when I got about halfway through I called this girl's name and she said Yo and so I looked up I said Where's Yo at <laughs> She sitting back there she raised her hand I said All right I got you Yo when I looked at her, she had on, a, she had on an Army uh, jacket. She had on Army fatigue pants, and she had on black combat boots. And so I went ahead, and I called the rest of the role, didn't say anything else to her. When I got through, she said, uh, can I ask you a question? I said, yes, ma'am, you sure may. She said, are you a preacher? Now, when I came in, I wrote my name, mr. Alexander on the board I didn't write pastor Brian Alexander I didn't I didn't write that but living in a small town evidently somebody in that room knew that I was a, a preacher and had said something to her when they got in they saying hey we got a substitute day oh he's a preacher so when she asked me was I a preacher and I said yes I am then she said that she said well I got something I want to tell you and I said what is it and she said, I want you to know one of these days I'm going to die, and when I die I'm going to go straight to hell. And she said, I'm going with my combat boots on, and I'm going to be happy as I can be. Now I'll tell you something, folks. That kind of stuff don't, it don't make me sad. That kind of stuff makes me mad. You're going to basically laugh and mock at God and think, make, it, make out a joke to the rest of the class. And so I looked at her I said, ma'am, you got two things right, and you got one thing wrong. She said, what's that? I said, first of all, yes, ma'am, you are going to die one of these days. That is for sure. And the second thing you got right is, yes, ma'am, you are going to go straight to hell, and there's not going to be any hope for you. I said, but the one thing you got wrong, you're not going to care one thing what's on your feet when you get to hell. And I said, y'all take out your books, and I went ahead and started class. Well, you know, I went through that... Day when I was on my way home, I got thinking, well, I'm probably going to hear from the, from the principal this evening. Or, the you know, when the word gets out what I told that young lady. But, you know, when I was sitting there about 530 that evening and I got, a, I got a call on the phone and I answered it. And it was some student and said, Mr. Alexander, I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I'm so-and-so, called her name. She said, I was in that classroom this morning when you said that to that girl, called her name. And I said, really? She said, yes, I was. She said, I've lived next door to her my whole life. And he said, she said, I've tried to be her best friend. She said, through the years, I begged her to go to church with me. And at times, she would go to Bethany Baptist with me. And, uh, but she never would have a heart for God. She lived in a difficult environment at home. And she just become more anti and rebellious against home and her parents and church and anything as she got older. And she said, I just want you to know, I want to tell you what happened today. I said, "Uh uh-oh. She said, well, when I got to the parking lot today, her truck was parked right beside my car, and she said she was leaning against her truck. When I walked out there, she she said, I need to talk to you. She said, about what? She said, did you hear what that preacher told me this morning in that class? She said, yeah, I sure did. She said, well... I left about 10 minutes ago, and I got ready to pull out on the highway out there. And she said, I got to thinking about what he said. She said, I got so scared I couldn't pull out on the highway. So I drove back around here to park by your car, waiting on you to come. And she said, I got thinking about driving out on that highway. If I got killed on the way home, she said, if I died, she said, I I would go to hell. And she said, I make a lot of jokes about it. But she said, down deep, I don't want to go to hell. She said, will you tell me again what it takes to be saved? There, this one friend shares the love of Jesus with this young girl, and she prayed to receive Christ right there in the parking lot of the Morgan County High School and got saved. Folks, I want you to know God cares about that one. That one. You, You may be brokenhearted over that one that's out there in the far country right now, but God knows where they're at. Man, you have to keep praying, and you keep Trust in God that God's going to reach and minister to them. But let me share with you, this lost sheep was the one who was lost and obviously lost. Now, let me draw this conclusion for you. The publicans and the sinners, Jesus was using the lost sheep to identify them. Because the publicans and the sinners knew they were lost. They were doing their own thing. They knew they were living in sin. They were doing So what he does, he shares this lost sheep story to identify those who were lost and obviously lost. But then he moves on and he goes to the lost silver. The Bible said in verse 8, he said, Either what woman had ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece and not light a candle, sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, "'Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth.' Now he moves from the lost sheep to the lost silver." There's something different about this lost silver. This woman, she has lost this, she's got ten pieces of silver and she loses one of them. We don't know what amount, how much worth that one coin that piece of silver had, but we know one thing, it was worth enough and valuable enough for her to stop what she was doing and search the house until she found it. And it tells us that she was so diligent in that that if it became dark and she knew, she'd light a candle and she'd keep looking even into the dark night till she found that coin. So here she's looking and she's looking. Now, this coin is lost and it's obviously lost. But I'll tell you something else. It's oblivious to being lost. Does that coin know it's lost? You ever lost a coin and it run up in the couch or run up under the couch and you hear it crying out from under the couch, Hey, somebody come get me. Help me. I'm lost. Somebody get me take me to Walmart and spend me. I need to be spent. We never heard that. You never know it was under there unless you look for it. Why? Because the coin is oblivious to being lost. It doesn't even know it's lost. Some people are oblivious. Y'all ever seen people like that? They're just oblivious. They just miss it all. It's kind of like the guy that years ago about the thermos. Y'all might have heard that story about the guy when they first come out with a, a new thermos. This guy bought a thermos and he was at a place of business and he's going to put it in his little cubby hole. And one of his buddies walks by and he said, hey man, what's that thing you've got putting in your cubby hole? He said, it's a thermos. He said, what does it do? He said, it keeps hot things hot and cold things cold. He said, man, that's cool. So on the way home, he stops, he finds him one. He buys him a thermos. And so the next day he comes in and he puts his thermos in a little cubby hole. One of his other buddies comes by and said, hey man, what do you got there? He said, it's a thermos. He said, what does it do? He said, it keeps hot things hot and cold things cold. He said, how does it know the difference? But anyway, he said, well, man, that's amazing. He said, tell me about that. He said, what do you got in that thermos? He said, I got chicken noodle soup and an ice cream sandwich. He's oblivious, amen. I know it's a little corny, but he's oblivious. There's some people who are oblivious even when it comes to their lostness. Now, Let me draw this to a conclusion on this section. The coin, the silver, does not know it's lost. Isn't that right? Let me ask you this. Where was the coin lost? The only thing that we can deduce from this section of passage of Scripture is the only place we know that it was lost in, it was in the house. So in this first passage, the sheep represents the publicans and the sinners. Now he's dealing with the other portion of his audience, the Pharisees and the scribes. Because in this passage here, the lost coin represents the Pharisees and the scribes. These were the religious people. These were the supposedly the righteous ones, those who studied the the Torah and the Pentateuch. They they studied the scriptures. They were the scribes who rewrote and wrote letters about the word to other churches. And yet here they were, he's saying, he's basically drawing an analogy and in a parable here, saying, Here are those who are lost in the house. You know people have come been coming to churches throughout history and many times people sit on the chairs and the pews of church buildings and they come the Sunday, they come every Sunday but they're lost in the house. Not everybody who comes every Sunday to your church is saved. Not everyone see only and only the individual knows that. Say I can't read people's hearts but the Lord can. See, the Lord's looking at these groups of people, the publicans and the sinners and the Pharisees and the scribes, and He looks at them, and He knows their heart. And so now He's trying to reach them. He's saying there are those who are obviously lost. They're living, they're doing, they're going on their own way, they're doing their own thing, but there's a shepherd who longs for them, who wants to go after them. And then there is the lost silver, who's lost in the house and does not even know it's lost. And if it was not for a diligent lady who went after the lost silver, it would have remained lost forever. But then it takes these two stories, the lost sheep and the lost silver, and then they combine this, these two parables. Jesus brings these two parables together in the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son that we all know about. The Bible says in verse 11, it said, And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, he took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance in riotous living. He spent all that he had. There rose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went, and he joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. He would have fainted, filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came unto himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I'll arise and go to my father, and I'll say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father, but... When he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. And he said, Son, Father, I have sinned. He said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servant, Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead. And he's alive again He was lost and he is found And they begin to be merry So here you have this picture Of this prodigal son Who he gets so full of himself Prideful and rebellious That listen he, he no longer cared That he, he didn't want to follow His daddy's rules He didn't want to obey the rules He didn't want to do what he wanted He finally just said I just soon you be dead Because you know for a young man To get his inheritance His father had to die but now he's asking for his inheritance before his dad dies. And basically, he's saying, I'd rather have my inheritance. I don't care whether you were dead or not. And his father, he better be glad I wasn't his daddy. Say amen. <laughs> he better be glad I wasn't. And don't look like me so smug either, bless God. You might not have given it to him either. But you know what? He takes his inheritance. And he takes off. And the Bible says he joined himself to a citizen of that country. In other words, he went and sought employment and friendship from person, a person who, and all he had to do was to, a job he had for him was to fill, to feed hogs and feed the swine. You know, for a good Jewish boy, this would have been a horrible job for him because in their mind, they had been taught that, you know, they were unclean. Swine pigs were unclean, and they didn't have anything to do with pork or pigs but he winds out down there he's on the hog pen trail and he finds him sitting there watching as he's feeding the hogs he's so hungry he's saying that he would actually eat what they would were eating that's a hard that's a hard way to have to learn a lesson but here this guy this is where he's at and finally he comes down there and he sees that as he's feeding those hogs that day, he comes, he comes to his mind. He said, man, if my father's house, their servants, they've got enough food to eat and even food to spare. I'm just going to go back home. Huh? I can't take this anymore. I've got to go. You know what? And I like what the Bible said. Many times people miss this. But the Bible said he would have fainted, filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And then if I generally ask, I said, what's the next phrase? Most people say, and he came unto himself. But that's not the next phrase. The Bible said he would have feigned, had filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And then when he came to himself, have you ever noticed there's people who are always bailing out other people who are in trouble? I've seen in pastoring over 30 years I've seen parents and grandparents who had their adult children and their grandchildren, many times their adult grandchildren, living in their homes, and these parents are spending and paying the way of all of these children. You know what? There comes a time when, you know what? If the prodigal father, you know, I wonder had he he gotten word that his son was out there at the hog pen. If he'd have been out there at the hog pen, and he would have said, I can't stand my boy. I can't stand him having to go through this. I can't stand him having to be hungry. I can't stand, I will, I'll do whatever I have to do. And if he just kept sending money down there, that boy that boy would have never come home. There comes a time we need to get out of the way and let God get a good lick at them. And you need to be real careful, folks. I'm going to give you a word of discernment and advice. You be real careful about taking the pressure off of people that God has put on them you've got to have to have the spiritual discernment to know the difference but God will give you that be careful about taking the pressure off of someone that God has put on them this man was in a tight place and if he had had somebody come enable him or bail him out you know what chances are he may have never come back to to his father but his father didn't send you know what the father did the father stayed home and he looked for him I guarantee you, he looked for him and he prayed for him. And then one of those days, I think he's out there on the front porch. He's looking out across the the fields, and he sees the road comes up to the house. And I see, I think he sees somebody coming, and he's not sure who he is. And he keeps watching and watching. And I wonder, did he did he call for Eleazar and say, Eleazar, come here. I need to ask you something. And, let's say one of his hired servants comes and said, what is it, boss? He said, look out there. Isn't there a guy coming up the road there? You see him? He said, yeah, boss, I see him. He said, you know who that guy is? He said, no, I don't know who he is. He said, there's something about him that looks familiar. And I wondered, did Eliezer keep looking and keep looking? And finally he said, well, boss, I I don't know about you, but man, that looks like Bubba. That looks just like Bubba. I believe that is bubble, And I wonder at that moment, did the prodigal father fly off that, off that porch and run down that road? And the Bible says when he came upon him, he fell on his neck. That means he fell on him in, a, in an embrace and a hug. And he hugged on him and he kissed him and he loved on him. And as soon as his son began to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you, you notice the father never responded to that. His heart and his mind and his soul was set on the love he had for that boy and he was so glad he was home. All sins were forgiven. When he come back to the father, broken and wounded and nothing to his his credit, he has nothing left to give back to the father but himself and the father gladly receives him. Man, what a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you've got this prodigal son But let me share with you now, the Lord Jesus is wanting us to see that the lost sheep, and we said that they represent the publicans and the sinners. Now, in this part about the prodigal son, the publicans and the sinners is represented by the prodigal son. This boy was obviously lost. He was in rebellion. He was doing his own thing, eating, drinking, doing everything he wanted to do. He did it on his own. And the Lord Jesus was looking at this group of people that he's speaking to. And now he's identifying once again the publicans and the sinners so that they would be sure to see themselves even in the prodigal son. Any teaching, any learning, any religious activity they'd ever had in their life that they had walked away from, that there's a father, a loving father, who wants to receive them back. And I do wish that the Holy Spirit of God would have left the story right there. But the Holy Spirit is meticulously honest about everything when it comes to Scripture. The Bible says in verse 25 of that same chapter, Now the elder, or the older son, the prodigal son's older brother, Was in the field, and when he came and he drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what these things meant, and he said unto him, Your brother is come. Thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and he would not go in. Therefore came his father out, and he begged him, and answering, said to him, Father, Lo, these many years do I serve you, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gave me a goat that I may make merry or have a party with my friends. But as soon as this thy son hath come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hath killed for him the fatted calf. He said unto his son, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine it was right it was me that we should make merry and be glad for this thy brother was dead and is alive and was lost and is found you have the picture of the prodigal son who's come home and they're throwing a party for him and now just kind of uh, let's just modernize the story a little bit and you see the older brother he's coming home he's coming home one day he's driving his F250 and he comes by the by the house and he hears boom boom Boom, 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 boom. He hit, you know how loud dancing has got to be if you're hearing dancing? they doing a buck dance or something in there, man. That, thing, that party is blowing. Well, he realizes it when he drives on out there to the barn. And then the Bible tells us that he calls one of the servants. I wonder, did he call Eleazar and say, Eleazar, come out here. What's going on at the house? And he said, oh, brother. Man, you're not going to believe it. He said, your brother who, who left. He's come home. And then he throws in the worst thing he could have said. He said, and he killed for him the fatted calf. That's like pouring gasoline on the fire. Because this guy was mad. The Bible said that he was angry. And then he said he would not go in. The same prodigal father that was looking for the prodigal son coming up the road is the same father who's now looking for out toward the barn when his older son comes up. He's looking for him to come in just like he was looking. That is the, the picture, the beautiful picture of the Father, God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. Listen, there's no respecter of persons. Man, they're looking for the lost to come in. He's looking for the lost son, prodigal son. He's looking for the lost elder son to come. But the Bible says he would not go in. If the prodigal son is represented by the publicans and the sinners, the elder son is a picture of the Pharisees and the scribes. He said, I've been with you always. Never have I transgressed you. I've done what you told me to do. I've lived like you wanted to. I've lived under your rule. I've done everything. I've stayed right here. And you've never made let me have even as much as a goat to have a party with my friends. And he said, son, son, it was right. It's the right thing for me to do. Your son, he was dead. It's like he was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and he's found. he said, you've always been here. But he would not go in. The elder brother, the Pharisees and the scribes, who was lost in the house and didn't even know he was lost. And I know that I, I say this many times. People think I take liberty with this passage, but I, I don't believe that I do. In Matthew chapter 21, let me just give you a, uh, a version of this story that, that Matthew wants them to see. In Matthew 21, 28, listen to these words. Jesus is asking them, he said, What do you think? A certain man had two sons... He came to the first, and He said, Son, go work today in thy vineyard. And He answered, and He said, I will not go. But afterward, He repented, and He went. And He came to the second son, and He said, Likewise. And He answered and said, I'll go, Father. But He did not go. So Jesus asked Him, He said, Which of the two did the will of the Father? And they said unto Him, The first... Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, The kingdom of God is before you. He said that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And you, when you had seen it, repented not afterward that you might believe. The older son, when he saw it, repented not and basically would not believe he is lost in the house many years ago I'm an avid sportsman I know I don't look much like one but I've been hunting and fishing all, nearly all my life many years ago I was bow hunting and I actually shot a I shot a deer that evening and I didn't make that great of a shot I hate that. For you animal lovers, I love them too. I love to eat them. Uh, I, I made a bad shot. And uh, so I saw, I knew the animal had run off, and so I was going to make every due diligence to try to find it. So I went home, and I called one of my buddies and said, man, after supper, can we can we meet and go see if we can find this this deer? And he said, that would be fine. And so when I got ready to leave, I went out there and got my golden retriever. I had a golden retriever that I had trained. He was red, beautiful, red, big thing and his name was Chili. He was a Chili dog, and so I went and got him and loaded him up on the truck, and we went out, and we searched for that animal, and we searched. It was 8 9 o'clock when we got out there, and then we wound up on property that we didn't, that I never had been on before, and we went and went and went around 1 o'clock or so in the morning. I look over at Rick, and I said, Rick, I don't think we're going to find it. He said, I don't either, because the dog had lost the blood trail hours ago, and he said, uh, Brian, you know which way's out of here? And I said, Oh yeah, I do. It's it's this way. He said, Well, let's go. So we took off. An hour and fifteen minutes later, we wind up in that same clearing. And I said, Well, Rick, which way you think's out of here? He said, Man, I knew you was going the wrong way. And he said, But I didn't want to you know everything, so I didn't want to tell you. So I followed him. Forty five minutes later, we wind up right back in that same clearing. And I mean, it's it's one o'clock in the morning. I mean, we're we're tired, we're ready to be at home, and and so my dog, Chili, was over there. I was sitting on a log, and Chili walks up over there and he wants to lick me in the face. I said, Oh, you better go lay down. I wasn't in any frame of mind. Say amen. I wasn't in any frame of mind for no dog licking me in the face uh, out there at law. So Chili goes over and just lays back down over He said, And so Rick and I were discussing this about how are we going to get out of here. What are we, are we, go, we ain't even going to get home in time to go to work in the morning. And finally, I remember said, Lord, what are we going to do? I don't even—I don't even have a clue which way to get out of here. And man, that dog got up and walked over there and stuck his nose right in my face. I looked at him. I said, "Chili." And then a light bulb went off in my brain. I said, "Chili." His old ears perked up. I said, "Go load up." Man, he turned off. He went. Well, me and Rick grabbed our lights, and 23 minutes later, we're at the truck. Chili's on the back with his tail just a and his tongue flapping. He's happy. Man, I'm petting that joker. and Man, we're so thrilled. We get in the truck, we go home. When my alarm clock went off the next morning at 6 o'clock, I was laying there thinking. And God revealed something to me that I still remember this day. That's why I share this story with you. And this was the truth that the Lord laid on my heart. The whole time I was lost, I had the answer to my lostness right there with me the whole time I was lost that dog, for not one minute was that dog ever lost, that dog knew where he was at you know people have walked into churches all across America and across this world today and they come in and they sit and they're sitting in a room and they hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, everything they need to be saved is in the truth of the gospel and the gospel is right there with them but many times they don't even realize it Many of them who are lost in the house. You know, you can go to every church. You drive by, you'd be baptized in every mud hole between here and Texas and still die in your sins and go to hell without Jesus Christ. When Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and life, and no man cover the Father but by me, He is not one way. He is not a good way. He is the only way to salvation. The Holy Spirit has a way of identifying who we are if there's one here today and you realize you've come to this service today and you may be one of those who are lost in the house you say brother brian why would you preach a message like this because in hiawassee georgia four years ago there was an 82 year old lady been in church all her life walked down the aisle and said i've been a good church member but i've been lost all my life i do not have a relationship with jesus two years ago In Greshamville, Georgia, I preached this message and the lady who sang the special music, the solo, before I preached, walked down the aisle and said that when she was 10 years old, her mother told her she needed to get baptized. She came down and took the hand of the pastor and he said, why are you coming? She said, I need to be baptized. She said, he baptized me two weeks later and she said, I've spent my whole adult life in church, working, serving with everything I had lost She said, this close communion, this relationship you've talked about with the Father, she said, I've never had that, and I want to know Jesus. She prayed to receive Christ that night. I'm going to ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. You know, the Lord Jesus is the revealer of secrets. He knows those that have been saved and those who are lost. He certainly knows that. If you're here this morning and you've never been saved and you know it you may be the only one knows that you may be sitting right next to family members or people all over this church that think you're saved but deep down in your heart you know that you don't have that personal relationship with Christ The good thing is Jesus still saves and Jesus is he is the the shepherd the great shepherd who's looking for that lost sheep He's doing whatever it takes To make sure that you know Jesus. And he's coming and he's calling and he'll lay you on his shoulders. He'll take you. That there might be rejoicing in heaven and rejoicing in your soul. If you've never been saved. This time of response is for you. You say, Brother Brian, I don't know what to do. Well, the Bible said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So right there where you sit in the privacy of your own heart, if you don't know the Lord Jesus, your personal Savior, and you feel Him knocking on your heart's door, and you know that you may be the one that's lost in the house, you just pray to Him. It's between you and Him. Not out loud, but just pray to the Lord Jesus. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I do need You. And I do want You. I don't want to be just a lost church member. Lord, I want to know You in that close communion with You. So, Lord, I ask you to forgive me my sins and come into my heart and save me. I commit my life to live for you. And, Lord, I ask you that you teach me how to live that others might see Jesus in me. If you're here today and you prayed that prayer and you meant that with all your heart and that between you and him, you know, we're not to be ashamed of the Lord Jesus. He said, if you're ashamed of me before men on earth, I'll be ashamed of you before the Father, which is in heaven. So during this time of response and commitment, if you pray to receive the Lord Jesus, I'm going to ask you to come down and take me by the hand and say, Pastor Brian, I pray to receive the Lord Jesus today. And listen, don't worry about what others will think. I'll tell you what they're going to think. They're going to be thrilled to death. Amen? They'll be thrilled to death. And you know, you'd have that burden lifted. If you've got a lost loved one who's a prodigal son or even the elder son, the lost sheep or the lost coin. You may need to want to come and get the altar and pray for them. Whatever God's will is, as He's leading you, this is a time of response to Him, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask you now to bless during this time of invitation, and we trust you to do it to bring honor and glory to your name, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.